0: Women, at least the ones that get driven towards the path of veterinary medicine, we all sort of already have that empathy ingrained in us, and it makes us better leaders in being able to lead your room with your clients and your patients.
1: Welcome to the Path to Owning It Podcast by Provide, hosted by me, Corey Brown, a marketing leader at Provide with over a decade in the healthcare industry. If you found us, you're likely an aspiring or established healthcare practice owner looking for tools and advice to begin your journey or to take your practice to new heights. And you're not alone. So to help you achieve your practice ownership dreams twice monthly, we'll tap into our unparalleled network of industry experts who will join us on our quest to provide the answers to your most pressing questions. Like what you hear? Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Today, we are joined by Dr. Sarah Baker, a fear-free certified veterinarian with over a decade of experience. She recently opened her practice, Lane Veterinary, in Hinsdale, Illinois, and proudly obtained the Fear-Free Certification and American Animal Hospital Association accreditation within months of opening her doors. She currently holds a seat on the board of directors at the Hinsdale Humane Society, frequently fosters pets, and feels passionately about supporting animal rescues. She enjoys internal medicine and dentistry, and loves getting to be an integral part of the human-animal bond. She loves her team, patients, and clients, and is excited about building her vision from the ground up. Dr. Baker, welcome to our show. We're super happy to have you here today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here too.
1: You know, today we're really gonna dive into an important topic of what it means to be a woman in today's veterinary industry. And I know that you have a lot to say about that, and you're doing some incredible things. So I first really want our audience to get to know you a little bit better. So. We'll start with the classic question. Did you always know that you wanted to become a veterinarian?
0: I actually did not. I grew up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Everyone is always like, yeah, I did. I just knew as soon as I was a kid. (laughs) Um, No. So my dad is a stockbroker and I honestly thought that I would grow up because I followed in his footsteps. I thought I would go into business. It was sort of my mom who I think saw the science and the math and the, you know, the caring for pets. In me. So when I did start undergrad, I did start into a science degree, but I thought I'd go to medical school. Kind of through that, I realized that wasn't really for me. And I got a job at a Humane Society locally, answering the phones just in between summers at school. And that's sort of what drove me into the veterinary field. So I was probably a junior in college, maybe sophomore in college around the time that I actually made that decision.
1: What do you think it was about your time in the Humane Society that changed your career path at that point?
0: I think it was realizing even then that you get to make a relationship with people, but through their pets, through a thing that they love so much. And I realized that I love so much, too. It was nice to see it even in that setting.
1: You know, Dr. Baker, I've always wondered this as a veterinarian. Do you find that people are more inclined to show you pictures of their pets when they first meet you?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes I ask for it, though, because, I, you know, they tell me about their pets. I want to know. I I really do. Like you mentioned, the human-animal bond is the most important thing to me. So, yes, I think I see pictures of people's pets daily, probably daily, <laughs> especially if it's somebody that you haven't met before. They're really excited to show you a photo.
1: Yeah. If mine wasn't asleep right now, he'd be on camera to <laughs> introduce himself to you as well. He's become kind of the podcast pup producer. Yeah, We've awesome. dubbed him. So, <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about, you know, once you've decided you're going into the veterinary industry in college, your progression from college to where you are today.
0: So in college, I did a lot of research with someone who I still believe helped me completely get into veterinary school. She's a professor in Colorado State now, but I was at Ohio State at the time. And I did a lot of undergrad research with her. I started a master's in public health, actually, at Ohio State in the veterinary public health focus. And then I basically finished that in a year did my defense and started vet school a couple days later. So, I did my undergrad, masters and veterinary school all at Ohio State.
1: And then going from Ohio State to owning your own practice, how did that progression <laughs> happen?
0: Yeah. You know, I think when I graduated, I started at a small business in Ohio. I realized pretty quickly that that wasn't a fit for me at the time and I got taken in by one of what I still believe to this day is one of the best practices that I could have ever started at in the country. It was a 10 doctor practice. They took me on as a new grad. I think then I sort of did want to buy in. I wanted to be a business owner. I had the background from my dad and just kind of had a little bit more experience, I think, from that front. He made me take an economics class in undergrad, just so I (laughs) had a little bit of solid business background there. Um, That's good. Even getting a science degree. Yeah. And so I think when you're a brand new vet, it's sort of hard to know exactly what you think you're going to do. You're just getting your footing and figuring out how best to practice medicine, how best to serve your clients. And I got a ton of support at the practice that I was at. It was privately owned. I did think that I would be able to, you know, eventually be an owner there and that just didn't happen, but that's okay. You know, it ended up this way. So I think it was always in the back of my mind, but again, it wasn't something that I graduated and said, I have to own a business. It's just something I realized I really like doing along the way.
1: Yeah. I know that you were a medical director for a larger group practice. Did that help you prepare for ownership in your mind?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm in a really unique and lucky situation where I got to be at a really well-operated, high quality of medicine practice, high client service. I got to see all of that, learn all of that. It did transition to a corporate ownership while I was there. Probably about half the time I was there, was privately owned and the other half it was corporate owned. And so yeah. As that transition happened, I got to become medical director and see really how the financials work and what that means from top to bottom as much as you can within the walls of a corporation. So I got to be prepared sure. for that before you know I opened the doors here.
1: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about you decided to start your own hospital as opposed to acquiring an existing one. What prompted that decision for you?
0: That's probably twofold. One is there aren't that many private practices around where I am. So I'm just in the Chicago suburbs, much like everywhere else. A lot of the places, you know, the bigger practices had already sold to corporations. So there really is no option to buy in. I think the second piece of that though, for me is, again, I came from a great practice, great medicine, great staff, great everything. And so I think it would be harder for me to then come into a different practice and maybe feel like I had to change a lot of things instead of Just starting it from the beginning, the exact way that I wanted to do it, which is part of the intro, getting it fear-free certified immediately, getting the AHA accreditation in there, having the staff and the culture and everything that I feel really passionately about starting from the beginning.
1: I know you've had a lot of successes, but I'm sure there are some challenges along the way. Can you tell us what challenges you did run into during that startup process?
0: Yeah. Some of it is like technology and equipment. You know, that's probably not something as veterinarians that we get a lot of experience with. And I had to get from the beginning, you know, there were just some bumps in the road there. I also have a really wonderful IT person that he doesn't work in the building, but he's basically part of our team. He's awesome. So that has helped tremendously. And I think the other part of it is what everybody's dealing with and it's staffing. Yeah. Again, the culture is really important to me here. So finding the right people and making sure it's the right fit was very valuable and a thing that I take pretty seriously. So it has to be the right person to be able to provide the level of care that we want to give here.
1: Any tips for aspiring owners out there who are having trouble finding the right people? How do you make sure that it's the right hire and the right fit?
0: Yeah. You know, when you've kind of worked in the area, I think we have a really small industry. So Somebody knew somebody that knew me that was opening a practice. And I think it's more word of mouth is how I got the people that we have here. Part of it, again, I think is the benefit of I got to be a medical director for a little while. So I got to be people's bosses and they saw what I felt strongly about there. And it was a good work environment. So a lot of it for me, I think, was word of mouth and the fact that I already got to do it. And, that, and that's kind of how it spread, how our team has grown, too. Yeah. We have people that have even left where I was before that reached back out saying, hey, I heard you open a practice. If there's a position available, I'd love to come, you know, so we're kind of in a good spot from that front.
1: That's great. Now that you've gone through that process, anything you wish you would have done differently now that you know what to expect?
0: Oh, that's a great question. It's really hard when you're a startup because I don't have a business when I'm interviewing people or even right. a manager or another veterinary technician or another doctor, you know, to kind of sit in there during the interview process. I think I wish through all of that, I maybe would have leaned on other people to be there around because a big part of what makes Lane Lane is the team work environment in all of the decision making. So it's nice now that we've been open and we have the team to have them be able to be a part of it. So if I could do it again, I think I'd find somebody that could help support me in that decision making process.
1: Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. You know, I want to just brag about you for a minute. Lane Veterinary has been open for less than a year and you're already doing some really major business. So kudos to you. What do you attribute some of your big wins to?
0: That I really think is the team. The team that we have here have helped support every part of my vision from start to finish. So it's really the support that I have from them and everybody sort of believing in the same thing that we believe in here, which is a high level of patient care high quality medicine, client service, you know, providing everything because often you can go to a doctor and I think many people will say like, they're a really great doctor, but the rest of it, you know, we just kind of tolerate because it's a really good doctor or you can flip that. Um, And here we, we really pride ourselves on the fact that we can do both. And I think that that has helped us even create a nice reputation in this area even so quickly.
1: Yeah. Anything you can share with others that are in your shoes to learn from what you've been able to accomplish?
0: I think it's leaning on the team, You know, having a good support system from the start, having people that you can trust, can see your vision, believe in the same things. Honestly, being able to delegate that, you can't do everything as a business owner. You need to be able to practice good medicine, but there's a lot that goes into this behind the scenes that you're not, you can't do when you're seeing patients all day long. So being able to, I think probably let go to some extent really early on to have my full trust in the people that we have here, It's made it a tremendous effort from everybody and just a great experience overall.
1: I would imagine it's difficult for most entrepreneurs to be able to delegate when they're used to kind of just going and doing everything themselves, right? Do you have any suggestions or tips you can offer?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. My husband was the contractor who actually helped build out the space and we had our first holiday party and he's like, it's just so nice to see that everybody there feels like Lane is theirs too. Like, cause it is, you know, Mm. it's it's everybody's. (laughs) It's not just mine. I think just from my perspective, again, supporting people and what their vision is and what they want to be good at has helped them help create this for me too.
1: That's awesome. Last tip from you. What can you offer mothers who are listening on how you balance all of this with your two little ones at home?
0: I think the same thing. I'm going to keep answering it the same way. I have a great support (laughs) system. I mean, my husband's a great support that saw this from the start and knew how important it was to me. But again, my team, I mean, I care about a work-life balance for them and it goes both ways if they need what they need and they know that my kids are really big important part of this for me and the kids are in here often, you know, hanging out in the break room if something's going on. Um, But I really do think that it's doable. The practices nowadays because of urgent cares and emergency rooms and all of those things, we don't have to be on call. We don't have to work super late nights and every single weekend now that all of those other things are out there for us to Hmm. lean on. And so we can be a day practice that's still successful and you get to see your kids or your family. If you don't have kids, whatever it is, do the thing that's important to you outside of work during those extra hours that you get.
1: That's great. You know, Dr. Baker, we've talked about your journey to practice ownership. And when we return, I'd like to dive into the state of female veterinarians in the industry today and what the future looks like for them. More with Dr. Sarah Baker right after this. Meet the newest reason to finance your dream practice with Provide, the Provide Card, the credit card built specifically for dental and veterinary practice owners. Available in addition to your Provide practice loan, with the Provide Card, you'll be transported to a world of new opportunities for your practice, where you can securely make bulk supply orders and earn tailored rewards on your purchases. You can earn up to 3% rewards on healthcare practice and lab supplies, and 1% rewards on all other purchases all the time with no rotating categories and no point expiration. At Provide, we're creating the future of personalized banking for healthcare practice owners. To learn how to apply for your tailored card with tailored benefits, contact your Provide representative or visit getprovide.com slash provide card for more information, including rewards terms and conditions. I'm Corey Brown, and this is Provide's The Path to Owning It podcast. We're back with Dr. Sarah Baker, owner of Lane Veterinary, to have a candid discussion about her thoughts on how gender may play a part in the success of aspiring veterinarians. Dr. Baker, I know that you have a predominantly female owned and operated animal hospital. Was that important to your vision for Lane?
0: Yeah, it was important to my vision from Lane. I think kind of like we touched on before as a mom and a practice owner, I think being supportive of those things was important to me. You know, most of the veterinarians out there now are female and that trickles down into the support staff, the people that greet you at the front door, the veterinary technicians that we have really are predominantly female. So supporting that and supporting that in the industry is important to me.
1: What common qualities do many women share that you believe make them strong business owners and leaders?
0: Yeah, I think really the big common quality is empathy.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, Most of us have that as part of our personalities, even when you go through communication training or wherever you kind of get some knowledge base, they're going to talk to you about empathy and reflective listening. And I do think that women, at least the ones that kind of get driven towards the path of veterinary medicine, we all sort of already have that ingrained in us and it makes us better leaders and and even just better leaders in the exam room. It doesn't even have to be from the business owner perspective, just from being able to lead your room with your clients and your patients.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious, even though the veterinary industry, like you said, is predominantly and increasingly female, we're talking upwards of 80%, I'm sure you're where most hospital owners and CEOs of veterinary corporations are male. Why do you think that is?
0: I think we're kind of on the crux of a tipping point, maybe. Okay. Okay. In the 80s, I think it was still predominantly male. So it's not that far away that that was the case. Many of those people were business owners, have maybe sold their practices to corporations. Hmm. It's probably a twofold answer where the private practices and corporations have two different reasons, in my view, why that would be the case. The corporations, I think, you know, the people at the top might not be veterinarians. They're people with MBAs and other degrees that just see the veterinary industry as a successful industry. And so they wanted to get into it. And that's how they went about it. And now those are the leaders at the top of many of the corporations kind of delivering down information to those of us with our boots on the ground, for the most part, which are women. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there.
1: Because that's male dominated. How do you feel that that impacts the industry?
0: I think if you ask many of us, it's just a different feeling. And maybe that is the empathy piece of it, where Mm. that's more of a business hat that they're wearing and the actual people in the business aren't feeling that same connection, the same level of communication, the same level of empathy, of compassion that you maybe get when you have a woman there that's also paying attention to those feelings that matter to be able to operate a good business.
1: Yeah. And if this were reversed and that tipping point you mentioned, we see come true. What would the future of the veterinary industry look like?
0: I mean, I think, and I hope it continues to grow the way this hospital has. People feel supported. The burnout is less. The compassion fatigue is less. I mean, it's not common knowledge that our suicide rate is higher than other professions. And hopefully with that, that decreases too, because people are feeling heard and supported by what we should consider their colleagues. I don't even call myself a boss in here. I mean, I know that I am, but we're all of equal value here. So
1: No, that's great. What's one thing you'd like aspiring female veterinarians who have dreams of hospital ownership to know?
0: That you can do it. You absolutely can do it. There's no reason why you can't. You can start from scratch and you're going to build a business on the things that you feel passionately about. There are going to be clients out there and staff and a lot of pets that you can support just from the passion that you have for what's important to you and anybody's capable of doing it. I think, again, it's a lot about the support structure that you build around you. As long as you have that solidly in place first, then go for it. It's going to be everything you envisioned it to be.
1: That's great advice, Sarah. Thank you. For those in the greater Chicago area who are looking for care for their pets, what's the best way for them to contact your office?
0: We have many different options thanks to the tech support that we have. You can go to our (laughs) website, which has the capability to just schedule online. So you can do that from your phone. Um, We have a text message line there. You can shoot us a text. We have email or you can call us, you know, the old school way.
1: Perfect. And I know that you've offered to have a discussion with fellow veterinarians who may have questions or, you know, something for you. So if there's anyone listening that would like to contact you directly, how can they reach you?
0: My email address for them to reach out to me. It's Dr. Baker. So D-R-B-A-K-E-R at lanevet.com doing this. I mean, I feel passionately about being able to help other people achieve their goals and find happiness in what it is. So if anybody is interested, I would love to chat with them and help them.
1: Dr. Baker, thank you for being a trailblazer in the industry and doing the damn thing. It's no doubt that you'll inspire many future female hospital owners for many years to come.
0: Yeah, thank you. This is great. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Because you've listened to this whole episode, we assume you were entertained, or at the very least, learned something new. If so, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Have a topic you'd like discussed in a future episode? Drop us a line in the comments section, or send us a message on social media. If you're ready to take your practice ownership dreams into your own hands, be sure to visit getprovide.com to pre-qualify and browse our practice marketplace, or check out our news page for more helpful resources. The Path to Owning It is brought to you by the team at Provide. And it's produced by Podcamp Media, branded podcast production for businesses. Podcampmedia.com. Producer Dusty Weiss, editor Emily Kaysinger. For Provide, I'm Corey Brown. Thanks for being on the journey with us. Provide is a division of Fifth Third Bank National Association. All opinions expressed by the participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Provide, its affiliates, or Fifth Third Bank. The participants' opinions are based on information they consider reliable, but neither Provide, its affiliates, nor Fifth Third Bank warrant its completeness or accuracy and should not be relied upon as such. This content is for informational purposes and does not constitute the rendering of legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or other professional services by Provide or any of its affiliates. Please consult with appropriate professionals related to your individual circumstances. All lending is subject to review and approval.